0: 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards.
1: Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by F&M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and also at myfmbank.com. We're glad to have you with us this morning. We're going to be spending the next hour with Len Silverman from Huntington Learning Center. And Len, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the program, man. Thank you.
2: Appreciate it. Happy to be here.
1: You ready to have some fun and talk business and all kinds of fun stuff?
2: It's always fun talking about business,
1: yes. (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I guess you're uh, in Goodlettsville. Yes. But uh, why don't you tell us you know, where you're from originally and, and, and what brought you to Sumner County?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, well, I'll, I'll start kind of way back. I, I actually grew up in Florida. So okay. I grew up just south of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, just summer every day was great, but I kind of wanted to change. So I moved up to uh, Atlanta, Georgia when I started my career because I wanted to see some seasons.
1: But you don't see a whole lot of seasons, but well, you know they call it Hot lana for a reason, but... Uh, that's true. But it's but it probably
2: was, definitely it different. Just enough. It was just enough.
1: Not as many palm trees, or none. Right. <laughs> you go from palm to pine.
2: Yes. <laughs> so I did that and uh, lived there for about 12 years and met my wife, Tracy. We were getting our uh, master's degrees together, and... Um, you know, I, I worked for a couple of big companies. Georgia Pacific was, was the biggest of them, and I uh, was the marketing manager for the AngelSoft bath tissue brand. Not okay. toilet paper, bath right. tissue. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Important distinction.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so,
2: and that was, was that right out of college then? That or? was right after my master's program. I actually started out okay. my career working for Chambers of Commerce. So I was okay. uh, with the Gwinnett County Chamber of Commerce in Atlanta in economic development.
1: So you were all about business, even uh, back then.
2: Always. Yeah, always. So then I went back, got my master's degree, met my wife, started working. And then uh, an opportunity presented itself with Fruit of the Loom up in Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I looked at my wife. and It's uh, not
1: underwear. It's undergarments. or I don't know. There's probably some fancy thing for that, too. I always
2: (laughs) joke around with people. I was very popular at cocktail parties. (laughs) You talk about toilet paper or underwear. Well,
1: you know, you tell them you do insurance, nobody wants to talk to you. You tell them you do something weird like broadcasting or underwear, all of a sudden... You're the life of the party.
2: <laughs> and the other thing amazingly well, is... they every, all wanted
1: free stuff, probably. Everybody or, want,
2: They all have an opinion, which was kind of amazing. So the conversation never went dry. Everybody always had an opinion. Not about
1: bath tissue, but they had an opinion about underwear. They had an opinion about bath
2: <laughs> tissue. If we weren't on the air, I could share some of those opinions. No,
1: that's you. okay, we're, we're okay. We're a family program here.
2: But, uh... So anyway, the opportunity presented itself with Fruit of the Loom, and actually, when I went to work for Fruit of the Loom, I was the marketing director for Gitano Jeans. I don't know if you remember. Oh Gitano. my gosh! Yeah, that yeah. was was that the during the stone days. It was, and so it it experienced a, a short revival, uh, and it came back as a Kmart only brand. Really? And I well, it did. You know, brand.
1: I mean, it it did make it a name for itself in a pretty short period of time, but it was a pretty big category. I mean there's Levi and you had a lot of competition.
2: Yeah, there there wasn't a whole lot of room for a $12 pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. Um to live for very long, not a branded pair anyway. So, you know, one thing led to another. And actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Fruit of the Loom went through a bankruptcy. And this was back in the early 90s when I first moved to Sumner County.
1: What was and, the uh, primary reason for that cause? Was it The biggest reason was, it, uh, was we too, were starting Too to, big, of man- too, trying to go too quick, or was it labor, or was it...
2: We were chasing labor. So what was happening was we were shipping a lot of our production offshore in order to get labor that was less expensive and in the interim our inventory levels were shrinking and our customer demand was not
1: because you couldn't turn it around quick enough so
2: what they were saying is look if you can't supply us we're going to find somebody who can and ultimately that's what started oh happening man that's not reason. good no that is
1: not good math
2: no so you know we it was just funny timing we moved here in 1999 and we looked for a house up in bowling green kentucky and you know coming from atlanta that was a big change for us so yeah. we just thought you know goodlandsville is a great town because it's really close to nashville so you get all mm-hmm. that experience of being with nashville and it's only 40 minutes down the road from bowling green right so it was just a great place for us to be so we moved here i got into town i think it was august of 99 the company filed bankruptcy december of 99. no way and i thought oh, oh my God. gosh what have i done right yeah but i ended up staying with the company for four years so, okay. Um, now,
1: everybody's driven past it up there. Is that their corporate office? Is it a warehouse? Is it both? What, what is going on
2: there? They have a little bit of distribution up there, but it's primarily their corporate headquarters. Um, and okay. since then, they've done some acquisitions. So now, Russell. Well, I see Adelaide, some other brands, yeah,
1: and, that, that they've purchased over. That didn't happen when you were there or afterwards? We didn't, we
2: didn't have Russell at the time, no.
1: You weren't like, exactly in growth mode then. You had to start over mode. <laughs>
2: we were we were starting to come back somewhat, but, you know, what ended up happening is we emerged from bankruptcy, like I said, about four years down the road, and they just let the top marketing people go.
1: Well, you know, it's so funny because, I, as I recall, and most people probably do in the 70s and probably most of the 80s, w- was great marketing with uh, the Fruit Loom guys. And, yeah. And then that just kind of – did they just get away from their core business? Is that kind of what happened or –
2: yeah, I mean that's an interesting question. And and I I don't know that I know enough during of what was going on during that period to make really right. intelligent comments about it, but you know, they brought the fruit guys back. So while I was there But you had they- a
1: harder job of relaunching everything, I'm assuming, right?
2: We were always a well-respected brand in the market, so at least mm-hmm. you know that part. I don't think you know changed very much. The problem was we created new competitors. Oh, I'll ourselves. say
1: there's a ton of them in that space right now. Yeah,
2: it's Kildan is the one that comes to mind the most. They really mm-hmm. ate our lunch during that time period, and now you know um, it's kind of a fight to try to gain that market
1: share. Well, yeah, once you lose customers, it's really hard to get them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, okay. So uh, you're here, you come in three months later, they announce bankruptcy. You go through all that, which I'm sure wasn't fun, but in a weird way, you probably learned a lot about how that all worked, right? You
2: know, that's <clears> kind of <throat> my, my mantra in general. Everything's learning experience, mm-hmm. right? And if it's good or bad, it's not great when you're experiencing it when it's bad, but ultimately you do learn a lot. Right. And I'm a firm believer that when, you know, one door closes another opens. And so, you know, ultimately I went into business for myself and I love it. And I I don't know that I would have ever experienced that. I would have stayed with Fruit of the Loom, maybe looked for some other career along that trajectory. Um, And I don't know that business ownership would have ever been something I would have looked at. Mm -hmm. Um, And 15 years later, I I definitely don't regret doing that.
1: And so did you start your own company just out of Fruit of the Loom or was there something else there? So you just went...
2: Well, when I first left Fruit, you know, it took it took me a minute, you know, to kind of gather my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started a little marketing consulting on the side. Okay, Um, You know, I think what I found with marketing consulting is it's great when you're working. It's not so great when you're not working. You know, the acquisition phase was something I wasn't super thrilled with. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was good. In the interim but i realized for you mean me, trying
1: acquisition as in trying to get clients get, trying to get clients yeah so in sales Correct. basically yeah
2: and so for me i didn't see that as something i wanted to do long term mm-hmm. um so it got me thinking okay why don't i look to buy a business and i actually started looking at some existing businesses in town um
1: because you didn't want to reinvent the wheel i did um, not want yeah, to i'm all about the wheel. that
2: you know, at Huntington Learning Center, they've been in business since 1977. And it's a mm-hmm. franchise. So my thinking was, okay, it's already successful and you get a blueprint. Uh, you know, they can do it. I can do it was yeah. my attitude.
1: Yeah. And I mean, people feel differently about franchises. They, there are some things they love, obviously some things they don't. Nobody likes to give a piece of what their hard work is away, but right. you pay a price for that brand.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, um, I was looking for something that would be personally fulfilling. And it's really hard to argue that something like Huntington Learning Center doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I look at the kids that we've helped over the years, it really makes me feel good about what we're doing in town. So I knew Huntington could provide that. But in addition to that, you know, they have a big corporate office with a lot of people that are continually working on improving what we're doing. I can't do that in my little 2,500 square well, foot you building. you can't be here. in
1: business for, I don't even want to know how many years that is, 35, 40 years without... Perfecting a few things and right. having something that's, you know, a lot of brands just don't last. And if they've made it through that, then that's a good space to be in.
2: Yeah, they use the term legacy brand, and I think that is a good way to, to mm-hmm. describe it. We're not big. We're, you know, there are maybe Not flashy. Not flashy. Yeah. There are about 300 centers around the country, so we're big enough. But, you know, it's not like we're a household name. Mm-hmm. Um, how I many do, how feel, do you have? I own two
1: Okay. Right now. And they're located...
2: Here, I have one in Montgomery, Alabama. I had one in Columbus, Ohio, but I just recently sold it.
1: How difficult is it to run businesses from far away? I sort of know the answer, but tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about the people, isn't it? A
2: hundred percent it is. It's, it's a different skill set, and it's important to find the right people. It's important to continue to motivate them, and... Um, It is important, I think, from an operational standpoint to make sure everything's going the way that it should, but walking that fine line of also not just riding their back every day.
1: Right. You want to give them ownership so they feel fulfilled. Definitely. Challenged. But there are certain standards. Let's say you're very, um, you know, OCD and you're picky about how it looks and the cleanliness and the bathrooms and this and that and the other, you know. And if nobody sees what you see because their name's not on the bank account. That's right. And that's tough sometimes, yeah. especially if you haven't gone down there in a few months, and then you go down and you're like, "What just happened? <laughs> how long has that been like that? And why didn't anybody tell me something yeah. like that?" Or? Absolutely.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> things like that, and um, you know, there's just it's amazing how much goes on in our little tiny tutoring business. There are a lot of moving parts. You're dealing with kids and parents, and parents.
1: You know what? I'm sorry, Len, we're up against our first break. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, because this is interesting, and maybe we can get into the nuts and bolts a little bit about Huntington Learning Center. Is that cool? Sounds good. All right, cool. We're talking with Len Silverman. He is the owner of Huntington Learning Centers, and uh, we are going to come back with more of Sumner County Spotlight in just a moment. And we are back this Sunday morning for Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com. And our guest this morning, Len Silverman, owner of the Huntington Learning Centers. And uh, Len, uh, we were starting to get in a little bit about, you know, running businesses, uh, multiple businesses, one challenge, two uh, standards, three doing it maybe from a distance. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. I think I interrupted your train of thought.
2: You know, the thing is, if I had tried to do what I'm doing today, 15 years ago, and, and own multiple centers out of, of town, it would have been virtually impossible for a couple of reasons. One is, I didn't have the experience back then to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I've done pretty much every job in the building. So, I so know, nothing's
1: going to surprise you. Yeah,
2: I mean, there are, there are changes and nuances that happen over time. But for the most part, I get those. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot. And then the second thing is, quite honestly, technology. Oh, heck yeah. You're never really
1: advantage. disconnected, are you? No. no I mean, we,
2: we have tremendous video conferencing capability now. My uh, staff knows they can get me on Skype anytime that they need to if they have a question.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, and, and and then there's a lot of sort of virtual reporting that's available. As well,
1: well, it does help that it's within driving distance. So I always kind of felt like if you can't drive there and maybe get home the same day without losing your mind, it that's it's manageable you know
2: now i will say Montgomery's five hours away so that's kind of right at the edge right of i would envelope. say yeah
1: five six hours i yeah. think columbus right. columbus had to be a little further
2: columbus was about <laughs> six and and i i tell people all the time going to columbus in the winter made me sad and that's ultimately why i just couldn't keep doing it
1: it's, you're talking to a midwestern boy who was there for 55 years like <laughs> i totally get it yeah, this just, is the tropics compared to what I grew up in. Oh yeah,
2: I mean we're here today so, and it's in the 40s. Yeah, it's terrific. Summer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so okay,
1: well, so the, you recently sold out. What what is it like to sell a franchised business? Because you own the franchise, but it's it's different than if you owned a lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. There's there's things that come with it that the, they have to agree to with corporate, yes. and then they have to agree to with you. Yeah. Right.
2: I've been very fortunate. I owned one in Atlanta and sold it and I owned one in Columbus because what I'm doing now is basically I'm kind of a quote unquote fixer. And I I was going to I
1: was just going to ask you if people if if corporates probably sending people to you because you were just saying that there's not a heck of a lot of things that you wouldn't know now. Um, So I'm assuming you get some of these guys that are struggling or it's like, what am I doing wrong?
2: Yeah. It yeah. really started with the one that I owned in Montgomery. And I've had it now for five years
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, with no intention of selling it. But that, that center has been in the market since 1985. And the owner called me up one day. And he had been operating a center for 30 years. He's in his 70s. And he just said, Len, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And I, I knew him. And I said, Charles, before you do that, why don't, why don't we talk? And he said, well, if you want to come down and take a look at the center, let's yeah, do Because
1: sometimes um, things just fall in your lap. Yes, as a business owner, that you don't expect. Right. Um, Sometimes it's good, sometimes it isn't. But in that case, there's no better person to either get it from, or talk with, or learn from than a guy that's been doing it, who's 70 years old and done it for 35 years. Absolutely. I mean, you're gonna, like you said, you're gonna learn from everybody.
2: Yes. And and the thing is, when opportunity does fall into your lap, you have to be willing to look at it. It's very easy to just say. Uh, I'm not comfortable with that. Montgomery's really far away. I don't know if this is something that I want to do. And, right. and certainly every one of those thoughts went through my head.
1: Well, not to mention you learn, but you uh, you learn as much what not to do as what to do.
2: Right. You so learned, so
1: you, you really learn the whole spectrum.
2: You learn basically a new skill set. And that's where I was in my life. Um, I was ready for a new challenge, mm-hmm. which this is. I mean, operating centers, this geographically spread apart is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But I was able to turn Montgomery around really well. And were, the were the, were the fix
1: is obvious or was it? You know, because markets are different. It's not like you can just cookie cutter the thing from Goodlettsville to Montgomery or to Columbus True. or whatever. Because, you know, people are different. Communities are different. Needs are different.
2: You know, the funny thing is, and, I, and I'm glad you said that, because actually, in my mind, needs are the thing that are not different. Now, people
1: don't change. Businesses around them change, habits change, but people are essentially the same. We talk about that in broadcasting a lot. You know, broadcasting has gone through tremendous change, like most businesses. But the people who listen are exactly the same, Mm -hmm. you know. uh, Yeah. And so for,
2: for me, you know, if you think about the students that I'm working with, they're typically either struggling students in school or students who just want to do better like on an ACT, I may get a student in who has a 28 and wants a 31. Well, 28 is a darn good score. Yeah, are
1: they more driven those kind of kids, or is it just they're
2: they're driven in different ways? I think that mm-hmm. they're all driven. Um, but you know that student who's trying to get that high academic mark in order to get into the college of their choice is mm-hmm. just driven differently. But my, my my point is what I found with struggling centers that's fairly consistent is they're afraid. To tell the parent what that child actually needs in order to meet their goal. really yes, so that,
1: that actually work for you and are trained to do that. You
2: know, people. No, don't these like, are, keep people, in mind; these are the centers that I'm I'm helping. I'm right, right. But after they don't. You know, them.
1: it's funny. People just they just don't like confrontation.
2: No, they don't.
1: Nobody likes to deliver either tough news or bad news or the truth.
2: <laughs> so let, let's give you an example. Let's say that you come in today and Mm -hmm. you had a seventh grade daughter you're really concerned about. Grades have been going south for the last couple of years. They're really getting bad now. Mm -hmm. I go through a complete academic evaluation with your daughter. I pinpoint every problem that's going on. And basically we come to find out that her actual uh, level should be about two, three grade levels below where she currently is today. So something happened. She missed Mm -hmm learning and as a result the, the train kind of pulled away from right me. right well i can do one of two things i can either sit down with you and say okay let's talk about i know she's big into soccer let's talk about her soccer schedule and you know i don't want to get in the way of that mm-hmm. so let's have her come in just one day a week and uh we'll work with her it for didn't happen night.
1: overnight it's not going to get fixed overnight exactly yeah
2: my philosophy is okay we got a lot of work to do Basically, you're riding on a road that's full of potholes. we got to fill those potholes in. Mm -hmm. The way to do that is to put some time and effort into this. So when I work with a student, I like for them to come to the center like two or three days a week when they're really trying to build that Mm -hmm. skill set to get themselves up. Number one, build their confidence back up. And number two, develop the skills that they need to start becoming successful in the classroom. Right, well,
1: there's and if a big it's sort difference. of sporadic and it's not a commitment, you're not really going to see the result, I'm assuming.
2: It, it, you sure aren't going to see it quickly. Yeah. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, I may end up working with your child for a year, and all of a sudden another year has gone by in school, so have I actually gotten them to where they need to be? My philosophy right. is I like kids to be in and out in six months, seven months, if they mm-hmm. can do that. Um, so we, we aim to fix the problem that the child is having
1: and that's a different philosophy how often are those issues not related to school i mean i'm sure you see all kinds of stuff there are- it could be a family dynamic could be a friends peer group peer pressure i you know i don't know uh, it's not like you know when they walk in right until yeah. you till you figure it out how the heck do you navigate through that kind of stuff
2: well I always talk to parents about the fact that there are two things. The first is there probably are these mitigating factors that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I cannot control those. Right. But that problem that we're talking about is what caused the academic problem. At the end of the day, we've got to work on the first one. I can, I can help you maybe find resources, but you've got to fix the academic problem because even if you fix the first one, the second one's not going to go away on its own. Right. Right. And quite honestly, what i've come to learn over the years is the more our kids struggle academically the worse it gets for them it starts amplifying, right, it's sort and of yes
1: yeah, snowballing and absolutely and, yeah then they're because then, then they're, they're just... more isolated from friends and oh you're stupid you don't know what you're doing and and then they start believing it yes which is probably the worst part to see you know because it's not true everybody's got potential
2: that is 100 percent the reason i got into this business that moment right there if mm-hmm. i can help as many kids as possible to realize that they're much more capable than they think they are. Think about what that does for the rest of their lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You
2: know, think about what that kind of confidence does for you as an adult. Right. Exactly. And, and to learn that when you're 12 or 13 years old, that, Hey, I, I overcame something because I worked hard. I've got it within me to do that. That's
1: powerful. sure. And, and let alone they, and I'm sure you've seen this too. They surprise themselves that they're actually uh, a leader. My son was just a follower extraordinaire and i just kept wondering this dude just floats with the wind Mm -hmm. he goes wherever his buddies want to go he goes into football and you never know what's going to trigger it but he got some structure and we were pretty structured at home but there was just you know it's different at home and man he joined that program all of a sudden the parties are at our house all his buddies are coming to our place they're doing what he wants to do he didn't know he had it in him Mm -hmm. and i just got a note from him a couple weeks ago saying hey Dad, thanks for giving me confidence in myself. And then he kind of figured out who he was. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen. Well, you've had students for how long now? Well, Fifteen years. Yeah. I mean, I we can get into this. Could probably be a whole segment of some success stories, some failures, and successes. You've had them both, I'm sure. But um, I bet there's some amazing stories.
2: There are some absolutely amazing stories, and and it's, uh, again, it's it's transformational. You see these kids literally transforming. Um, where they can't even look in the eye when they first come in. And yeah. by the end, they're just oh, yeah. beaming like they own the place. Yeah. Which it's is great. I love that.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, it, how much of that is, uh, you know, just someone not the parents? Because, you know, that's part of it. You know, I can tell them something all day long. But if you tell them, he's going to pay attention. And... Just pumping them up to let them know they have value and that kind of thing, that they're not stupid. And
2: I think that that's a really important point, too, because I don't think that any of that can come from the outside. And I think your son's a good example of that. You probably mm-hmm. told him how great he is oh, yeah. his whole life. Yeah. And he hears it and it goes in one ear and out the other. He had to prove it to himself. Yeah. And once he did that, then it sunk in. Exactly. And so parents come in a lot of times and they're blaming themselves and I can't believe I've allowed this to happen and one of my jobs is to help them to let themselves off the hook. You yeah. know? I mean, we're yeah. we're not most of us are not teachers. We don't come home with the responsibility of also teaching our kids we want to help is we there a huntington
1: parenting center that we could all go to it's like, yeah like we know what we're doing come on kids you know yeah we'll be if there was a manual yeah, there. like thought about they don't know we don't know what we're doing
2: but that's the thing is you know we we blame ourselves everything that goes on with our kids we take it personally like it's got something directly to do with us and they're they're human beings they're their own people exactly and what you try to do is guide them into situations where they can learn and grow mm-hmm. and once, once we get to that point and, and mom and dad just breathe and let themselves off the hook, then we have an opportunity now to take that okay. child and help them see what they can do. So
1: you're resetting more than just the child sometimes. I think you know. so. Yeah. Um, hey, we're up against our next break. We're at uh, break number two, and we're talking with Len Silverman, the owner of Huntington Learning Center, and we're going to be back with more of the program here on Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by f and Bank, right after these messages. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning. I'm your host Tony Richards with Len Silverman, the owner of Huntington Learning Center. And uh, why don't we we haven't even talked about location, phone number, how we can get a hold of you, and that kind of. We ought to do that sort of periodically throughout the show. So why don't we why don't we do that real quick?
2: All right. Well, I'm uh, on Indian Lake Boulevard. Our address actually is 112 Saundersville Road. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, if you know where the McDonald's is on Indian Lake Boulevard, we're right behind it. There you go. Good way to get us is uh, just call 1-800-CAN-LEARN. That's the simplest way. Okay. Um, and somebody generally is there to answer your call. And and honestly, when you call Huntington, that call could be 15, 20 minutes long. Because Right,
1: we, right. Don't expect, you know, because there's a lot of questions you have to ask.
2: Yeah. Well, not just that we have to ask, but also we have to answer. You know, Or listen. This is, this is not a simple thing. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure that we're listening and really understanding what's going on with your child so that we can determine the best thing to do to help your
1: family so i'm assuming there's some sort of deal with happy meals you guys have with mcdonald's (laughs) so the kids are every they love going to your place look where it is um so when when somebody calls and like you said there can be an extended conversation yeah um how do you find staff that have that skill i mean it's not like going out and finding somebody who can put this widget together every day right this is a whole nother ball of wax which gets us into recruiting and uh uh, evaluating how do how the heck do you even know where to start
2: well you know when i first started it was a lot of trial and error i didn't know what i was doing and so as a result i didn't really know what i was looking for um so i read job descriptions and i tried to find people to fill that job description the longer that I've been doing this, the more that I realize it's not about job descriptions. People can learn to do the different aspects of the job that are needed. It's about heart. It's about their mentality. about the person. It's about the person.
1: You can find the g- It's Yeah, it's always like, you know, You know, I'm sure you've run across from there's business owners listening. They've done the same thing. I don't care if I hired a guy to do broadcasting that was flipping burgers at steak and shake mm-hmm. he was amazing mm-hmm. i'm watching this guy there's i don't know how many people working and they're all standing around and this dude is doing drive-through and flipping he's working the grill he's working the catch register and i'm like this dude is amazing right and of course you know i want to recruit him so i did but uh, good for you. you never know
2: no you don't know you don't know but i've been so lucky my center director in hendersonville has been with me for 13 years Uh, my center director in Montgomery has been with the company 17 years and been with me the whole time that I've owned it for five.
1: It's such a key thing to have those kind of people. It
2: is. It is. And I, you know, they get personal fulfillment out of what they're doing every day. And, you know, for the most part, I try to stay out of their way. And
1: exactly. This uh, is your baby. Run it. You know, here's the keys. You know,
2: right now, of course, you know, one of the great things about Huntington, I've got to give him credit, um, you know, they're, they're in this business, but really in a lot of ways, because they are teachers at heart, they also do a great job of teaching the business owners. So mm-hmm. we get together, we have frequent meetings and trainings and things like that. So I'm always learning new ways to do things. And we, you know, we have kind of an a internal joke. We talk about the Newt Rockney. this is a football speech. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that. But at one point, the team was doing so badly. He, he took him in the locker room. He yeah. held up a football and he said, okay, we're <laughs> exactly. going to start all over again. Exactly. This is a football. And you need that every once in a while. You need to be sort of brought back to the core of why you're there and what you're doing.
1: But you also, as an owner or any business owner, has to create the culture and environment where it's okay to to do that. Because if you're not approachable or they think you just... Doing it because somebody told you to ask them their input, right? If it's not genuine, it ain't gonna mean anything.
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. You
1: know, so that's a good thing that you've created this environment where they can have this free exchange. You know, I I love it when somebody goes, "You're you're an idiot. Why are you doing that?" Uh, I don't know, because <laughs> I'm stupid, I guess. I,
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. Right, I right. Mean, the the thing is that you know ultimately we're all there for the same reason. And ultimately, the su- it's an interesting business because the success of our business means more successful students, which is what we're there for. So the and goal- And those students
1: become advocates, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I, for I hope so. I yeah. hope so.
2: And I feel like they do. Right. So hmm. the, the point is, the better that the kids do, the better that the business does. So for me, hmm. yeah, I focus on my business, but we really try to focus on the success of our students and our families, and the rest of it just works its way out. And by staying focused on that, it allows us to do professional development and things like that with the right attitude that, yeah, of course, we're trying to help the bottom line of the business because at the end of the day, we're in business because we got to make a living. But the reality is we're doing this because we want to improve our deliverable to these kids.
1: Okay, so I walk in the door. What am I going to see? What's the facility? What what tools, instruments, um, things that you have that can help uh, students?
2: Well, let me tell you what you won't see. Um, and, and this is 2020, you mm-hmm. know, you might expect you'd come in and every kid's working on a tablet or a computer and would have a headphone on or something yeah, like yeah. that. Not at all. Yeah. Our feeling is until school changes, we're not going to change. And mm-hmm. school is still pencils and paper and teachers. And look me
1: in the eye. Yes. Not so,
2: down at a device. So when you come to Huntington Learning <clears> Center, <throat> it's pencils and paper and teachers. And the beauty of that is We help for a lot of these kids. It's harder
1: to hide something, for one thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. Like, no, I want to see the paper.
2: (laughs) But for a lot of these kids, um, they don't necessarily always foster great relationships with their teachers. They see their teachers as almost an adversary rather than an advocate. Mm -hmm. And we help a lot with that because our teachers' only job is to help you to do better.
1: Well, and it's really funny because most kids, mine included, are afraid to approach their teachers. Yes, they come, the teachers don't intentionally do it, but they come with this: "Oh my goodness, I'm an authoritative figure. I got to do. I just want to go to your class and never talk to you outside of that." Right. But when they have to do something, there's a conflict. You forgot to post my grade. Well, did you tell her? Yeah. Are you sure you turned it in? Yes. Well, guess what you're going to have to do. A lot. Of people I can't talk. do that for you. You will have to create this relationship with them. And you might be amazed how much they want to help you.
2: (laughs) You know, a lot of people talk about teachers and there are a lot of different things that we need to be doing a better job of. But with a teacher, one of the things I think makes their job difficult is they're both there to help you, but they're also there to measure you. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's part of their job is to assess. And so it does make for a difficult relationship sometimes, particularly with a student who's struggling because that's the person who's also measuring you. Right. We have to help kids to overcome that and realize that teacher is there to help you much more than they are.
1: Yeah. And all of the uh, emails I've gotten over the years and no parent likes to get those. But um, from teachers, not one of them didn't have the kids best interest. Absolutely. They always do. But convincing a child of that can be like you said, that's a little bit of finesse. A little bit of art, a little bit of science.
2: Definitely <laughs> difficult. But teaching is, is a calling. It's a calling mm-hmm. much more than a career in my Clearly, opinion. clearly. So helping kids to understand that, you know, and again, because they are working every day with teachers in our center, and it's not the same teacher every single time. So they get to know different personalities. Not every, te- you know, not every teacher is going to be a warm fuzzy sure, mother yeah. hen type. Some of them mm-hmm. are kind of drill sergeants,
1: and maybe they need a little of that sometimes. Some of them need some. They of that. need some structure sometimes. You probably know as you go through assessing these kids. How, how are there? Is there ever a time where the uh, one of your folks talks to a student's teacher and says, you know, hey, this is. What I'm noticing is this, yes. is there, am I missing something? What can I do better? Or vice versa. That's
2: a huge that, part of our process, actually. Because
1: those relationships got to be super important, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it's,
2: it's a team, right? I mean, we cannot work in isolation of what's going on in the classroom. So we try to, with every student to go in and do a school visit, sit down with their classroom teacher, and basically start asking, what are you seeing going on in the classroom? Let us show you what we're working on, and mm-hmm. let's dovetail those things together so that they make the most sense.
1: Okay. So we we kind of got off a little bit but uh so they walk in they're not going to use all this technology it's still, you know, basic.
2: There is a technology backbone to what we do so everything is managed through Sure, sure. Uh,
1: but I mean it's not like the walk in here like- here's a device kid uh look up an hour later how right. you doing.
2: Yeah. So what we do primarily... if, so are, if there, you go are there actual in, rooms?
1: Or are they just more little cubbies or places that they can go one-on-one and work with them? How's how's that laid out? We have a couple out? of small rooms,
2: but our <clears> our main room, our main teaching floor, has study carrels. So they're desks, but they have short walls on them. Mm-hmm. So when a student is in their study carrel, they're working very independently. They may have another student next to them. They may have one behind them, but all of them are working on their own
1: Yeah, Because they're going to be so focused, they're not even going to notice.
2: Yeah. So when a teacher yeah. comes over to work with a student, she is only working with that student. Mm-hmm. We get them to read out loud to us every day because we want them. We want to break through that hesitation that they have. Because mm-hmm. I will tell you, for a lot of our students, they may come in talking about math, but the reality is, with a lot of them, it's their reading. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah,
1: or social skills, just in general, and being not being afraid to, like you said. Talk out loud. Right. All
2: that is part of the study skill equation, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's important to help them to overcome that. So getting them to read out loud every day is really important. You'll you'll walk in and basically I tell parents expect sort of a library type atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's lively, but it's relatively quiet. Right. So... You know, everybody's interacting, they're doing what they need to do, but there isn't a lot of just kind of running around, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is when your child comes in, we don't plop them at a desk and leave them there for two hours. Yeah. They're yeah. getting up. It's
1: not babysitter time.
2: No, they're getting up, getting their own curriculum. When they move over to work on math, they <clears> actually <throat> physically relocate to a different part of the center and do that. So there's a lot of moving around and keeping things moving.
1: Okay, so you, I'm sure you have students from all different types of schools, private, public, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This is an investment. The parent is making another investment, sometimes over and above a private school, which might be costing a fortune. True. So, you know, is there any dynamic difference in that? Or, um, you know, I guess I'm I'm trying to figure out the question out of that, but is there any different adaptations? I'm from a huge school. I'm from a small school. I'm from... You know, my son went to a school that had as many people in one class as now are in uh, you know his whole grade. What I always try to
2: do, I liken what we do to sort of like a sports coach. Okay, so let's say I'm on the baseball team, and the the baseball coach looks at you and says, "You know, you're going to need some help with your batting. Why don't you go see this private batting coach that I know?" Number one, there's no stigma. You're just going to be okay. I'll I'll go work with that batting. I got you. I don't care if you're playing for the pee wee league. The minor leagues, major league baseball, oh, yeah. batting is batting, and I'm going to teach you how to hit the ball. That's what we do. If you go to a, a premier, top-notch school, if you're struggling um, in a large classroom, a small classroom, at home school, guess what? Reading and math and writing and general study skills are the same. So we're going to teach you how to be successful. And, wherever the, and you that are.
1: the kids, so they're not embarrassed. It's got to be. I would love, especially from the reading standpoint. It's like, look, it's okay. Just let's just you know do what you're comfortable doing, and if you struggle, that's okay. I mean, again, more finesse from the folks that work for you. That's what I find. I can't imagine what it is recruiting somebody that you you're confident in that they're doing what they're supposed to do.
2: It's really important for us that when we're working with a student, like that seventh grade student I talked about, let's say she needed to start in a fourth grade reading. Book. Right, exactly. That's, we I guess,
1: what I was kind of getting around. Yeah, we, at. Don't,
2: we don't sit down and say, hey, Avery, by the way, here's your fourth grade book. You know, enjoy yeah. reading today. It's yeah. this is, you know, we, we don't share grade levels with them. It's just yeah. this is the piece of material we're working on today. We'll see how the you point, do with it. The point is, I want you to, un- to learn the underlying skill without getting caught up in the vocabulary that you're struggling with right now. So or, yeah, or where away. you're
1: supposed to be or where the society's told you to be. Correct. Let's just talk about where you are right? and how we can see if we can improve.
2: Again, you know, we talk about that train example. The train has gotten away from you. So we just got to grab your little car and speed it up and yeah. get it caught back up to the train again. And th- there's a process involved. What if,
1: what if uh, I mean, you know, everyone's different. What if a kid just doesn't like to read? This is part of your school. It's going to be for the next four or five, eight years. How, uh, can you um, help them make it more enjoyable or I mean how, you know I, it, it's obviously based on their interest I'm sure right you know nobody has a problem reading something they're interested in right. it's the stuff they're not interested
2: in <laughs> you know it's funny I a couple of like about a year ago I ended up buying a PlayStation 4 and mm-hmm. I, I haven't played video games since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I bought the PlayStation 4 because there was a game. My brother is an actor, and he was in Red Dead Redemption. And so I just wanted to see that game. So I got on there. First of all, I don't know if you've played any video games lately.
1: I've, They're really so, hard. Uh, you know, I watch my son do it, and I'm just like, okay. They're
2: so hard. Yeah. And so I got it. I got a couple of games that I thought I'd be interested in. I was terrible at every <laughs> single game. And so now I hate video games. That's my statement. Yeah. Human nature is we don't like things we're not good at. And so, if a student is struggling with their reading, the first thing they're going to say is, "I hate to read." Well, do you really hate to read, or do you hate what you go through when you try to read? And I I tell parents, I cannot promise you I will make your child a lover of reading, but I will make them a heck of a lot better at it. Okay,
3: so that does make a a lot of sense. It's
2: not a weight on them. Right, that's the main thing because it is part of the job in being in school.
1: Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. And as you guys have evaluated so many, you probably know, oh, he'll love this, or he'll really get into that, or she'll really love this.
2: Yeah. Most of our reading Mm -hmm. has to do with science. It has to do with history. I mean, there's some really interesting stuff that the kids are covering with us. So while they're building their skills, they're also going home saying, hey, mom, did you know that? Well, every parent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because every parent knows when you're driving your kid around and you hear from the back seat, hey, dad, did you know the dinosaurs, da-da-da-da, and the Cretaceous, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like okay, he's clearly reading that one. Right. You know, and other ones, you you never hear a peep. Right. (laughs) What about George Washington? Who?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing, is not everybody likes fiction, for instance, but I guarantee you on the ACT, there's going to be a fiction reading section every single time. So right. you may not like it, but you've got to learn how to do it if you want to be
1: successful. I got you. Okay. All right. Well, we're uh, up against another break here. We're talking with uh, Len Silverman, the owner of the Huntington Learning Center here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, among other uh, locations. <laughs> and maybe some to be determined. Who knows? So we're going to come back and talk a little bit more uh, with Len after these messages. And uh, we appreciate the sponsorship of FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and also at myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning. We're with Len Silverman. We're enjoying talking with him. He's the owner of uh, Huntington Learning Center on Indian Lake Boulevard here in Hendersonville. And uh, we, we talked about lots and lots of different things, kids and parents and confidence and teachers. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts with this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. There are. Yeah, we didn't really talk all that much about ACT and SAT uh, preparation, which are very different. That's a totally different area.
1: Well, exactly. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, teachers very opinionated about testing and parents are very opinionated about testing and kids don't want it. (laughs) And actually, what what, what is the balance of, you know, I don't want my kids to just learn uh, sixth grade to do a test. I want them to grow as a person especially into adolescence or whatever Uh,
2: you know know, the thing about testing where's the
1: balance there
2: i'm going to take it in two parts the thing about testing is a certain amount of testing is necessary because how is a school going to improve if they don't know what kind of impact they're having on these kids doesn't mean it should
1: be the only thing you're judged on though clearly of course you know yeah
2: but the thing is if every classroom teacher used their own metrics to measure success then how would you know if one teacher's metrics are better than another's? Mm -hmm. The best way to measure everybody is to use some sort of standardized method. Now, are we doing too much of it? Uh, You know, we might be. And I think that's something that we well, we're in a world of, of analytics
1: we right are. now. And that's kind of the weird thing. How many ways do you want to measure this thing? Right. There are a billion and they create new ones every day. Oh, this is the new hot one. You got to do this. You got to do this. And, you gotta do this. and you, How is anybody supposed to wade through that, including
2: you guys? Well, what's happening right now, and this is why I'm glad we're on this subject. There is a move uh, where a lot of schools are making SAT and ACT optional. Okay. It is not the majority of schools by any stretch, but parents are now, they're aware of that and they're starting to, to uh, talk to us about that. And the thing is that I think it's important for people to understand is if I'm a college and I have 8,000 freshman chairs
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: make ACT and SAT optional, what I'm basically saying is, okay, I'm going to take a percentage of students that don't need to take that test and I'm going to fill a certain number of chairs. Then everybody's going to have to compete for the now shrunk number of chairs that are remaining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are some students who are going to get in without taking those tests, but the vast majority are still going to need to take them. And guess what? Now it's become even more competitive because there are less chairs that are available for those students. Will there ever
1: be a, a standard that everybody can agree on? That's kind of a dumb question, I, gotta tell you, I guess. I've worked but... with the
2: ACT for 15 years, mm-hmm. and people will argue all the time. They will tell me this is not really a measure of whether a student is going to be successful in college. I maybe isn't that that's that that not argument. really what
1: it's for though, is it? Or uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't you can't measure somebody's future success. You might be able to get some indicators. I'm assuming
2: that's but. the thing is if I'm a school that has a 10 percent acceptance rate, which is a very tight acceptance rate, mm-hmm. I am basically saying I'm using this test as a big part of the equation to determine whether you can make it at my school. Okay. The reality is I don't know if you will be successful, but what I do know is if you consistently do poorly on the ACT, you will not be successful. And I've got enough okay. evidence to, to show that I that is got through. you. Well, oh, that makes some cuz it is a 215 question reading test. Okay? A lot of students talk about, "Oh, it's time management and I need strategies." And the reality is, you're not getting through all the material because you can't read it all in the time that you're allotted. Plus I got you. One of the things that's an amazing feeling is knowing the answer, you know? And mm-hmm. if you are struggling to find the answer during the test, then you're doubly challenged. Now you've got time really working against you. So the reality is, when you look at the skills that are being measured on the ACT, English, math, reading, and science, you're gonna need those skills when right. you get into college. Right. There, there, there's Nobody's not a lot-
1: Nobody's gonna be great at all of them. You might kill in English and do terrible in science. or I mean, you know. Absolutely. But like you said, you better, just to get through the test, you better be a good reader.
2: Yes, I think that that's 100% that's pretty good
1: advice true. because I don't think people I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that before. And if I've is, got
2: a fifth grade student and I know my family wants for this kid to go to college down the road, I'm going to be working with him or her on reading right now. The more they read, the better they read, the better they will do right out of the gate on the ACT. That is the truth.
1: Is that is that kind of the cornerstone of of everything? Do you I think? think it is? Because if you can't read, um, you know, I don't want to say correctly, but There are ways to, you know, there's comprehension in reading. You can read all day long. If your comprehension isn't there and you don't understand what you're reading, there's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, I
2: mean, basically, when we talk about comprehension, it's a big word, but it breaks into smaller parts. You've got to be able to understand the main point the author is making. You've Mm -hmm. got to be able to understand and pick up on key facts and details. You've got to know when they're inferring.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, you have to sort of deduce things on your own, which is the whole point. They want you to understand or come up with your assessment of what they're trying to to uh,
2: par- parlay to you. That's right. You know? That's right. And so being able to break those down into each one of those specific skills, I may have a student who struggles with reading, but they may be perfectly fluent, able to read the material with no problem, yeah. and able to pick up facts and details, but they, they don't get the main point. Exactly. So well, if you don't get the main point, there's not much exactly. point in reading. You can be an
1: excellent reader, but if you don't understand it and you can't comprehend it, You end up in radio broadcasting uh, is really, uh, I'll just tell you right now, that's where your future lies from those of us who can read with excellence and don't understand.
2: (laughs) You know, the the thing is, that's why I love what we do, because the the evaluation we do with our students up front allows us not only to say we need to work on these things, but it also allows us to say we don't need to work on these things. So Mm -hmm. we don't want to waste your time. If your vocabulary is strong, let's not waste time working on vocabulary.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm assuming some parents maybe have some concerns about that. Well, why are you going over that? Well, <laughs> you know, they're very, very good at it, for one thing. Are After, they expecting a full comprehensive thing? Or do they come in knowing, look, we're only going to work on science. Or that's just really where they're, they're just not getting it.
2: Yeah, you're talking about for the ACT. The yeah, thing, yeah. My philosophy with the ACT is slightly different because you raised a good point. The ACT scoring is a mathematical equation. So let's say you're strong in English and reading and you're weak in, in math and science. Yep. One frame of mind would be, oh, well, let's just work on math and science and we'll help to improve that. I don't believe that. Right. I believe that you tend to bring the strengths where you're already strong.
1: Exactly. Bring up your test scores that way.
2: So we're going to work on math and science, but guess what? I'm going to make you as darn good in English right. and reading as I can. We're not going to
1: make you ignorant in math and science, but you are going that. to excel in reading. And Yes, exactly. I, I get where you're coming from. And I think people do forget that sometimes. It it happens with report cards. What's the first thing parents look at?
2: The bad grades.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We've been guilty of it. And I have to discipline myself when I know it's time. And my wife, I'm like, we got to talk about the good stuff. We can't just, you know, they're never going to want to bring them home. Ever.
2: And it it raises another good point that I was going to make, which is that, you know, as I said earlier, a lot of parents come to us because they're concerned about math. That tends to be the first trigger. Okay. The thing about math is it's one of the few subjects in school that what you learned yesterday, you have to use today. And what you learned today, you have to carry forward to tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. if you're in fourth grade and you're learning about Tennessee state history, you get through a section on that. Maybe you struggled with it. Well, that's going to be the last time you talk about Tennessee Right, state exactly.
1: History. You know, you need this part in two or three years from now because you're going to be using it in this application. And so what
2: generally, uh, uh, when I see students slipping in math, one argument is, oh well, they're just not good at math, which I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. The truer argument is, they generally haven't really developed the study skills that they need to be able to learn something and truly master it and own it, so they can carry it forward to tomorrow and use it. That's how, generally where. How really
1: much at. of this is um, that kids don't know how to learn or they don't know how to study? Or, or things like that.
2: It's a lot or, of it. You know, you mean, know there's, a, there's a section of each class where you've just got natural learners. They just get it. They don't mm-hmm. have to really focus on it too much. You've got some students who have true learning disabilities and are really, really struggling. And then you've got a big group in the middle. And they don't necessarily always know how to do it. And they're not natural enough to be able to overcome that. How many, and I'm I'm sure this
1: is probably relatively rare by the time a student comes to you, but how often do you find something there, there was physically wrong with them and they didn't, the parents never knew whether it was hearing, like I had my daughter just, I was like, what is going on? You know, and thank God, you know, through the, you know, when she was kindergarten, first grade, it was like, oh my God, she can't hear in her left ear, hardly at all. And we never knew, you know, mm-hmm. they turned to the side, you know, and I was like, what? And my grandson just got glasses and he is eight. Mm-hmm. And it took him a while. Mm-hmm. It was like, what is the problem here? But have you stumbled upon things that you didn't? Even, it was like, well, it may not be a huge hindrance, but it is affecting how they're learning.
2: Right. I would say in the 15 years I've been doing this, we've had a handful of students. So it's pretty rare. It's,
1: by the time you get them, it's not really something like that. The biggest
2: that. thing most parents are concerned about is whether their child has ADHD. And what I generally ask him to do is to just hold off, you know, because we're going to be working with them on an individualized basis. And if you're sitting with a child, working with them one-on-one, and they cannot stay focused, okay, then we have something we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. But honestly, in the years that I've been doing this, that turns out to be maybe five percent of the kids that we work with. Most of uh, them are distracted but, uh, because they're uh, not
1: more are medicated than five percent, though. I'll bet. Unfortunately, s- sadly, um, because it is. You know, it could, isn't it maybe sometimes, and I, you know, hey, I'm no expert. I don't have the answers. But isn't it interest level, too? I mean, it's interest level. Can, if it's... You, if, it seems to me the first thing you would want to do is find out what they are interested in. Mm-hmm. And let's see how they do with that. And then how can we move that into a math or a science or a reading or whatever.
2: And I think part of it's interest, but I think part of it, too, is the, the skill level. So, if it, you know, let's say you and I tomorrow decided we were going to take a class in Russian language. And we didn't have any background. Have a there. good time. Right. And all of a sudden, <laughs> sudden, the teacher is mostly talking in Russian with a little oh, right. bit of English. Right, sure. You know, how long would it be before we're counting? And then guess dogs? what
1: happens? You lose interest. So you seem that you have this dis- disorder, but really, you're just not interested.
2: You're not interested because you cannot keep up with what's going on. And, you know, kids are not stupid. Right. They realize, exactly. okay. I'm not going to get this to is even, over
1: my head and I'm already behind and yeah. we haven't even done anything. Yeah, absolutely. So why try?
2: So I'm going to go talk to my friend next door to me yeah. and I'm going to, you know, do I'm other doodle, I'm going
1: to doodle. I'm going to. Yeah. And
2: I can't blame them. I cannot blame right. them for that. So that's, again, that's part of what I'm so proud of that we help kids to realize is Okay, I, I can do this. I can develop this skill to be able to sit in class and and learn every day. And guess what? That prevents this problem from ever happening again.
1: Right. Interesting. Gosh, no wonder it's fulfilling. Because that's, I mean, this is life-changing things. It really is. And almost with every single kid that's in your door.
2: I think it is. I think it is. Even that kid who's getting B's and wants A's. I mean, that that's meaningful to that student. You know, A student who's getting consistently yeah. low grades might say, Oh, you're getting B's. What are you worried about? But if you come from a family of straight A kids and you're the one getting a B, it's a different. I shouldn't tell
1: you our family rules. I had a really simple rule. It was like, you get a B, you're out of the family. It's (laughs) it's it's not negotiable. You're just oh, you have a B, pack your bags right off the (laughs) payroll. (laughs) We we joke about that all the time. But I did have one that never did. Drove me crazy. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna get a B ever, and never did. Wow, amazing. Which blows my mind. But anyway, (laughs) she was a freak of nature. I don't even I'm not 100% sure she's mine. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we are uh, here on Sumner County Spotlight this morning. We're talking with Len Silverman from Huntington Learning Center and we're going to come back with our final segment of the program right after these messages from F&M Bank. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. This is our last segment. We're talking with Len Silverman, the owner of Huntington Learning Center on Indian Lake Boulevard here in Hendersonville. And um, so you chose this out of Lots of different businesses because you're obviously an entrepreneur and you, you wanted to do something on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the club. Right. <laughs> it's, you decided you didn't have to. True. true. Um, and then you, you chose this, which at the time, I don't know, was franchising huge then? I mean, you know, of course, there were the McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger Kings. and But you start to see other franchising. And I think learning centers and things like that might have been one of the early adopters.
2: I think that's definitely true
1: but yeah. I'm sure they didn't have the secret sauce by the time you got in this game and, and and it's constantly you know evolving but what what made you do this? You said you wanted to have an impact on people's lives
2: yeah the the, the quickest and simplest answer is really I had a six year old and an eight year old son at the at the time, and I wanted to do something that made them proud and, and that was
1: your motivation.
2: That was my motivation um, i I wanted to make them proud. I wanted to have time. You know, if I if I needed to during the day to go to some school program, I wanted to be able to that do that
1: flexibility exactly.
2: Um, you, know, you do get I've... that
1: time, maybe not so much, but flexibility, flexibility for sure. Yeah.
2: You know, when I was working for Fruit of the Loom, I was driving forty miles. Each way up to Bowling Green, and I was locked up in Bowling Green every day. So if something was going on, I was out of pocket.
1: You couldn't run back to school and grab them if you needed to.
2: Absolutely. So this gave Although me Although the commute
1: was probably about the same as driving to downtown Nashville. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, actually, my <laughs> it's wife late downtown, downtown every, every day, and life. it's worse. <laughs> but, um, you know, the other thing is I really wanted to become a part of my community. You know, I ultimately became the chairman of the board of the chamber. I was the chairman of the United Way. I've been very involved with uh, Compass, which is a countywide support effort. You're not going to get into
1: politics, are you? <laughs> Here we go. I, I ran. No, I'm, I'm one kidding. and done. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. See, I ran I'm wondering. For state you start rat. saying these things. I'm like, wait a minute. Now, I know where this is going.
2: <laughs> no, I, I. it was a fun experience. I'm glad I did it. But no, I. I that's not That's not a goal. Of Thank
1: my God day. for unanswered prayers. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> But you know, I think you get one life, right? And in that life, you want to try to make an impact. You can either try to just make as much money as you can and go home at night and and somehow try to enjoy that. Or you can try to really be a part of something. And for me, it was much more important to do that.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. If you do what you love, the money will come. That's kind of the way I look at it. If you do something for the money only, you're very unlikely to succeed. I think or, that that's mostly, Or you maybe have to give up a little of your integrity and,
2: you know, I think that is mostly true. The only caveat, and again, given, given what I do where I'm helping owners that struggle by buying their centers from them, they these are good people and they did right. what they thought was right oh, and yeah, tried yeah. to do the best they can. So the, the only caveat to that is you also have to be open to learning new things.
1: Well, and when you're looking, are you looking for a struggling thing or just an opportunity? Uh,
2: it's an interesting way to put it. Um, what I have found is the struggling centers are my best opportunity. Well,
1: maybe you're a fixer then.
3: And well, maybe I that's- am. And
2: it, you know what it is, is I I take, I almost take it personally if a Huntington is struggling to the point where they may close, because I know that's a community that's really losing an asset. I got you. And so if I can turn it around, fix it, get it back on its feet, bring in a good new owner. That's
1: pretty good motivation and gratifying for you. It is. It yeah. is. So
2: I've got well, you know, plus several you, centers you you my- You
1: can avoid some of the landmines. Cause you've done to. it, you know, we've, you've, if you've owned it this long, you clearly know what not to do. Yes. Yeah. I've learned. That. So, uh, but Huntington learning center is not your only, uh, you're an entrepreneur, so you can't help yourself. I can't. And you get excited about something I and, do. and you, you own something else then too.
2: I do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a company called Post Pros Nashville. It's a completely different business model from Huntington. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we work with real estate agents. We store their signs and lockboxes for them. And then they get on our website and they say, I want this sign and this lockbox delivered to this address at this time.
1: Who so would have it, thought that's a business? It's, you know, that- You never know, though. You're providing a service. And my old man, you say all the time, if somebody, if you can fulfill a need, you have a business.
2: Absolutely. And, now, and it's a service right.
1: business. It's different. You're not you're not making widgets. There's something about making things, and then there's this whole other world that you and I are in.
2: And if you think about it, it you know, particularly with what's going on in the national real estate market, it's really booming. And there are some agents out there that are driving themselves crazy. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And so if I can take that off of their hands, I mean, think about, number one, what your garage looks well, like. Well, what would they rather do?
1: Right. But what would they rather do? They'd, They'd be rather, rather be outselling. selling. Exactly. Definitely. You know, this is just something that, well, if... If I can take that off your hands, does that have value? Heck yeah, I'll, do. I'll pay you.
2: Yeah, and eventually I want to add services like being able to get the home photographed, have it staged, mm-hmm. um, help you with open houses. So we'll put well, all the signage out and maybe even have someone sit at your open house for you to free you up yeah. on the weekend to show you. Well, it sounds
1: us. kind of fun, though, because you know, you're know you probably it. learning like crazy. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in my spare time. How do you get clients for that? Did it kind of... it maybe came out of and grew out of a need. But now
2: all of a sudden is the words, Oh, this guy, they do this for you. What? (laughs) Part of it's word of mouth. Part of it is really identifying the big brokerages in town because they work with the high-powered agents and really working with the brokers to see the benefit to their agents. Is this all
1: residential or commercial? Right now, it's all residential. Yeah, because you need a bigger warehouse for commercial. The signs are bigger. They're a lot
2: bigger. Yeah. (laughs) And heavier. We're not. Now all of a sudden you need trucks.
1: You got insurance. Oh boy. Right. (laughs) You got to know what you're getting into, right?
2: (laughs) So what? What I'm trying to learn is keep it small. Be steady. Don't you know? Overshoot right. your headlights. If you and grow, if, it smart.
1: Exactly. If you grow as you go, sort of a Dave Ramsey kind of thing. Don't 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 overextend. Absolutely. And let the business show you how much it wants to grow. Yeah, because
2: I I don't yet completely understand all the pushes and pulls yet. So I want to learn mm-hmm. that. I want to make some mistakes, but do it when I can absorb the hit. Right.
1: right. And,
2: and I'm I'm happy with well, where we are. Well, you know, right we now. talk.
1: We we run into that on occasion. Well, I have too many customers. I can't advertise. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wonder how big you could be. Right. <laughs> but if they're not built to scale your business, then that's a whole other thing. And nobody gets in their way of their own business more than the owner, True. myself included, by the way. Right. If I could just get out of my own way, I'm sure we could do very
2: well. Well, we all have our own self-limiting thoughts. And I mm-hmm. think being able to get up and, and shake yourself sure. on those. I
1: can't be this big. Well, right. well, wait a minute. The need's there. Definitely. Yeah. But you're right. It's that, you know, there's nothing wrong with being cautious and conservative with your money because, you know, you don't have anything else to lean on except yourself. That's right. That's it. And that's kind of the whole deal about owning a small business.
2: So, like you said, this kind of was something new. It got me excited. I still obviously love my Huntington business and stay focused on that most of my time. but. This is just sort of a fun side thing that I've started to do, and we're seeing success. I already have over 100 clients.
1: That's so awesome. Congratulations. That's cool. You. Well, I really enjoyed talking with you and uh, just talking business in general. It's fun. That's yeah. Len yeah. Silverman, the owner of Huntington Learning Center here in Hendersonville, and also of Post what, what Pros Nashville. Nashville as well. So thanks for spending some time with us. We enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you come back again sometime. All right. Appreciate All it. Right. Thanks, Len. Thank and you. that's going to do it for Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning. We appreciate it. Every Every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock you can hear it and uh, we'll keep uh, looking for interesting guests and we've got uh, some great ones lined up for you this uh, coming spring and uh, late winter and we'll talk to you next Sunday morning here on Sumner County Spotlight brought to you by the fine folks at FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfmbank.com. Have a great day.
0: Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfMbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.